On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me always is Jason. What is up, dude? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, man. It's like It's like we've almost just spoke already how are you doing <laughs> it always seems like we've just spoken uh recently <laughs> what's up with that i'm good i don't I'm know good, man um you know just uh so uh grateful that um bands are able to have been able to now for a while to get out back out there and play um and uh, just yeah. looking forward to you know my next one's gonna be whiskey myers i believe it's march 15th in minneapolis um and of course you've seen a lot of shows and whatnot and it's it's you know it's just wonderful i'll repeat myself over and over it's wonderful that everybody's been uh, been able to get back out there on the road do their thing and tour so um do you uh do we have some show alerts do we have a show alert we do have a couple show alerts of stuff coming up for this weekend so december 3rd december 4th um Georgia Thunderbolts, our friends, the Georgia Thunderbolts, along with our friends to France, are going to be playing a show together in Little Rock, Arkansas, on December 3rd. That, and that is in a place called, bring it up to me, Mr. Google Machine, um, Sticky's Rock and Roll Chicken Shack. So I'll tell you what, Brian, <laughs> you've not lived until you've seen the show at, at a Rock and Roll Chicken Shack. Sticky's? Rock and Sticky's roll chicken shack. Rock and roll chicken shack. Man, that sounds like something that should have been out of the first Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> and where they're up there on stage playing yeah, with the uh, chicken wire. behind the chicken yeah, wire. Yeah. You know what? We may have to ask uh, TJ O'Reilly or, or Drew uh, to send us some pictures just to confirm or deny. There is <laughs> That's hilarious. Chicken wire. But yeah, chicken, <laughs> Sticky's Chicken Shack, <laughs> Little Rock, Arkansas. Our friends to France, our friends to George Thunderbolt should be playing show. That would be a really good matchup. I wish oh I could gosh. go to that one. You know, um, and also this weekend too, stuff around me, which I'm unfortunately I'm not able to go to because of some family stuff. 
uh, Friday at eight o'clock at the Winchester, which is in Lakewood, Ohio, right by Cleveland. Our buddies Junkyard are playing a show. Nice. So go see them back in Ohio. Apparently that Winchester's a pretty cool place. I've taken a look at some pictures. Bands are coming through. And then back-to-back nights, uh, Saturday and Sunday, in different spots around Indianapolis, Junkyard's playing two shows. Actually, they're doing an all-acoustic show one night. Wow. And then the next night, they are playing a whole electric set. So if you're around the Midwest, the Indianapolis area, uh, go see Junkyard or Sunday night for, or Friday night for, near Cleveland. Go see those guys up in Lakewood and those will be some good shows uh, that I would love to see that acoustic junkyard show. I think that would be amazing. So uh, our good friend, uh, Carrie posted something today from the blues rock review. It says uh, vote for the top 20 albums of 2021. Uh, I believe, you know, they're saying the best uh, blues rock albums of 2021, although it doesn't necessarily specify just blues rock, but I mean, my gosh, just off the top of my head, you hear Georgia, uh, the Georgia Thunderbolts. Can we get a witness? Um, you know, uh, Mojo Cold Thunder. Stairs, was, Heavy Shoes, Mojo yeah, Thunder. Mojo Thunder, hymns from the Electric Church. Um, I know there's a lot we're forgetting, but this uh, <laughs> I think I'll be able to fill this out pretty quickly. A hundred percent. And uh, I think you did post that on the Facebook page. Yeah, I did. Yeah. For the, so everybody, yeah. your listeners go there. Uh, grab it, fill that out because there was a lot of good stuff that come have come out this year. In fact, Brian and I were talking earlier before we record a podcast today with the guests you're going to hear about is there's so much good music right now. It's just hard to keep up with it and listen to it, which is a really, really good problem to have. And uh, a year, you know, a year ago from this time, I, I am happy to, to have that problem because we didn't know where we'd be a year ago. Mm-hmm. And our guest uh, also has a record that is uh, about in that to... genre. Yeah, right. It's right. a lot of genres, but definitely <laughs> blues, southern rock. There's some really good riffs in this album for sure, Brian. I really like this album. Do you and want me to say who it is? Let's uh, tell the listeners who our guest is and the name of that record. All right, it's another returning uh, friend of the podcast, Lizzie Edwards from the Great Lizzie and the Makers. Again, our, and also our friend Rob Flores is in that band as well. You remember we've had him on the podcast before they had an album come out about two weeks ago. Dear Onda Wall. Dear Onda Wall. And, and I said that slow and deliberate because you'll find out in the podcast the name of the record and how that was done and how if you say it correctly, you'll understand all that once you've had the podcast uh, with Lizzie. She's great. Dude, there are some really cool uh, musical flourishes, Southern rock, blues rock just rock and i'm excited for everybody here but it's dear on the wall it is streaming right now it's, it's soon to come up on Bandcamp, and it was great to have lizzie back on brian what'd you think yeah um it's always wonderful to talk to lizzie and she's so sweet and she said she missed us I'm very which, positive you know, person yeah <laughs> get a little mushy um uh yeah the record record is i've enjoyed everything i've i've heard off it so far um just uh what can i say Fantastic to hear that and talk to her. And this album had some pretty some pretty cool rock royalty. You know, guys from The Cure were on this. They were friends. They got to be good to hear a story about that. Even played some shows with them. So if you're a Cure fan, uh, this would be right up your alley as well. Yeah, and then Lizzie mentions uh, some of her, you know, peers that she uh, looks up to a lot and is influenced by. And there's a lot of good stuff in here. So. Uh, get yourself a beverage, kick back, relax, and listen to our wonderful conversation 
with Lizzie Edwards from Lizzie and the Makers. here with the guest segment of the all things blues and southern rock podcast as you already know and uh jason's going to tell you who our guest is today absolutely it's my pleasure to have back on the show our friend from lizzie and the makers it's lizzie edwards how are you doing lizzie what's up lizzie? great how are you guys doing we're good we're good good to talk to you again you too yes uh, i hope everyone had a great thanksgiving it was good yeah we got through it. We got through yeah. it. No, we the tur- turkey didn't make us sick, and no family drama. So success. That's how I feel too. I got through it. It was it wasn't bad. Did you see family? <laughs> um, I did actually. My younger brother was in town visiting from Vail, Colorado. Vail. What the hell is he doing in Vail? Yeah, he lives out there. He's a chef. Wow. Wow. Works at a restaurant. Probably skis. I mean, if you live in Vail, you got to ski. Skis, hikes, yeah. So did he make dinner for you if he's the chef? Um, he did one night, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how often do you go to Vail? Um, I've only been out. He moved out there. Actually, it's interesting. Right before everything shut down, like March 10th or something like that of 2020. Um, so I've been out there once, but it's been at the beginning. It was kind of hard to travel out there. So Sure. For sure. Now, were you back in the New York, New Jersey area for everybody? Uh, Yeah, we, yes, in uh, Brooklyn. We uh, spent Thanksgiving in Cobble Hill. Now I'm back in Park Slope, keeping it local. It's nice. Nice. (laughs) I can not remember because we've had Rob Cloris on before, of course, who plays in your band, Lizzie and the Makers, and does his own thing. He's a Jersey guy. You're all straight New York. Is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, except uh, my guitarist lives in Greenport, New York, which is like all the way out east, North Fork. What's he um, doing out there? Um, getting lots of work, actually, paid gigs and stuff. So nice. He gets to go fishing. It's quiet. <laughs> no hustle and bustle of the city. Yeah. I think well, he writes better now, too. So when, when he's in, he's, he's in the, the silence. Now, he's a badass guitar player. So Listen to your new album. Well, we have you back on because you just released a great new album, which yeah. I'm really digging. But there is a lot of really good, of course, the singing. So that goes without saying. You, but <laughs> really good, like musicianship on the album. I know certain, like, there's a lot of good guitar riffs. Rob's got some good keyboard work on there, and like, it's like everybody's all fired up. Like, so tell us about the album. Um, I mean, the the process of recording it was great. Everyone. Um, wrote their own parts. Um, people even went back in uh, to re-record stuff they weren't happy with. I mean, there was just a lot of attention and um, you know creative flow happening as we were recording, which I think you know, as you said, you can just hear it in the parts that everyone plays. Um, 
And the songs really are kind of like, you know, I was just talking to someone and he described it perfectly. It's kind of like, these are a bunch of uh, diary entries, um, which I like. Uh, you know, they're, they're not all about the same thing or the same person, but they kind of uh, string together in a story about, you know, genuine general human feelings that we all have, no matter where we come from or, or what our background is and, you know, fear, loneliness, disappointment, empowerment, triumph. <laughs> the whole gambit of human emotions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we worked with uh, Reese Gabrels. Um, yes. And Mario McNulty, who uh, produced it, who both worked with David Bowie. Um, Reeves Cabrell is in The Cure right now. Yes. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something I know to talk about. We'll get to that for sure. <laughs> I love The Cure. Yes. And uh, he plays Theremin at the end of Mojo Hand. I think that's the ninth track, maybe. So that's pretty cool. That We all tried to play Theremin, and then Reeves came in and just played it better than the rest of us. Everybody's just waving their hands around in the air, seeing what kind of sounds you can make. Yeah, he made it look really easy. We we failed. I always remember Jimmy Page doing the Theremin, right? Like, and he knows what he's doing. I would love to try the Theremin. It's probably hard as shit. Yeah, I took Theremin lessons with my dad once. Really? Really hard. (laughs) I did not succeed <laughs> i can't imagine there's a lot of people brian offering theremin lessons mm-hmm. around that's probably a select few in the u.s yeah, at least i think it's a i think that's a an advantage of living in brooklyn for sure <laughs> i mean they didn't offer it in like elementary school band when you got to choose an instrument for that one <laughs> year there's no theremin i probably would have chose that instead of saxophone <laughs> it's been a lot better for for the layman can you explain the theremin to the listeners oh, oh the theremin it's you know, I used to know a lot more about the history of it, but I think it was created as kind of a sensor, like a motion sensor kind of, and then uh, that would set off an alarm. Um, and then, so there's basically a rod and all these like sound, you know, electronic waves. I don't know the exact terminology, I'm, I'm messing it up, but basically the closer your hand gets to the rod, you put a hand on either side, um, it changes the frequency and the sound that comes out. And so you can move your hands quickly and get like a whoa, 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 whoa sound or slowly. And it's really, the, as you move your hands up, it moves up half step. It, it's very like detail oriented and it sounds really cool, but um, it's really hard to make Right on, it. right on. Yeah, yeah. Frankie like, Hannon from Tesla uses yeah. it too, so. yeah. It's oh, like that cool. sound you get from those B-level sci-fi flicks from the 50s and 60s. And they always <laughs> exactly. look like they're in the mad scientist lab, too, with like, you know, in the exactly. background. Yeah. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the noise. The woo. <laughs> the woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think um, for Zeppelin, probably the biggest theremin song might be whole lot of love doesn't isn't there like a big breakdown where he's doing the oh yes part yes. in there whether that's theremin or if he's just uh bowing the strings but i think that might be theremin but I, anyways i saw page and plant we're getting way away from your album we'll come back to it so you can mark it but i saw page and plant 1995 when they did the you know their tour uh they had the cures drummer i believe was drumming with them at the time so bring it all together here but he jimmy did a big ex- extended theremin thing on there and i i think it was on whole lot whole lot of love probably i can't so long ago so long ago i don't know where i'm going with that story but i just <laughs> stopped the interview completely so 
So when uh, let's talk about this record from when it was just like a twinkle in your eye until it starts to you start writing songs and it comes together and then you get in the studio. I always find that whole process interesting. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting for me about it is that you know we didn't really sit down to write all these songs as a record. We just kind of usually what we do is we just write as the ideas come, and then once we have a certain number of songs we put them together in a record and they just happen to the, this group of songs which was written over the course of I think four years I mean waiting for the teeth we wrote in 2016 so um it really kind of is amazing to me that they all kind of still fit together even though it was over a long period of time um I think that speaks to my writing partnership with Greg is that I feel like every song we write together is growth um, in our, you know, creative relationship. And so and he's your good guitar player, cool. right? Yeah. It ends yeah. up being a story um, in the end. And yeah, we just kind of, once we had enough songs together that kind of coincided with Reeves sitting in with us for a few gigs, Mario showing up to one of our shows, the two of them deciding they wanted to do a project together. And we happened to have, nine songs so a lot of it was good timing too <laughs> not a lot of planning uh but very fort good fortune and a good timing in the end and uh once we were in the studio they even they evolved even more and i would just say the whole thing was very organic and cathartic also since i got to work through a few relationships <laughs> in these songs a few former <laughs> oh for sure so um you know, when we talked to you last time, I think Mermaid, we talked about Mermaid a little bit. That was written or recorded because that's about one of your friends. Um, Lover by Proxy, I think, was getting ready to come out, that song, which is a badass song. There's some really, there's a really good playing all around, but that's a pretty badass song. So you're saying you kind of had stuff just over time and it just kind of worked in the album, particularly with your your uh, guest members that, that showed up. Yeah, yeah. It's just... I don't know. I mean, I think because we always try to be ourselves and be true um, to our artistic voice, it, it just ends up becoming, you know, they're all connected somehow because we're coming from this, the same place um, when we're writing everything, you know, just trying to sound like ourselves and not anyone else. And, and um, yeah, I mean, just like a personal story makes sense over a few years. So, so do, so do the songs we write together. So. I mean, I don't know. I sometimes wonder if you put all of our songs together, it would probably just tell the story of my tragic. Well, you know, <laughs> one thing, and you already kind of alluded to that a little bit, you worked through some relationships and stuff on that. But when I listened to the album, especially like the lyrics, and again, from our last conversation, you were really somebody who focuses on lyrics. Like it sounds very autobiographical on a lot of things, whether it's you giving um, advice to people. I assume that, you know, working what you have in your life, like les idiots, I want to say, yeah. use a French, like that's giving advice <laughs> to people that you see a girl, a guy, like it's, it does seem very like it's a journal or autobiographical. Yeah. And, and, you know, most of my lyrics actually come from, from the journaling I do in the morning. So, so it makes sense. Um, I don't know, even when I write a story that's abstract and about a fictional character, it's somehow you know, there's always a part of, of me in it so or part um, of reality of like something you've experienced right not yeah. necessarily about you but 
again, I go back to, is that Lay Idiots, Leslie? I mean, how, how do we pronounce um, it? So it's L-E-S Idiots? Yes, L-E-S. Uh, Lay, Le, is it French? It's, it's actually, so, so we got clever with the title because it started out as L-E-S Idiots, L-E-S um, standing for Lower East Side. Oh. Um, yeah. And then we kind of fudged with the spelling um, so we would offend less people. They seem um, very hipsterish, particularly <laughs> the dude that's described in that song. Yeah, you like that? The sport and a mustache and it doesn't really suit you? It So I got really good visuals listening to that <laughs> song, for sure. You know, and then also talking about the female who dresses scantily clad, we'll say probably. Um, yeah, um, those are, I have to say, all of those lyrics are about specific people and I worry sometimes I mean you know I, I doubt they'll even listen to this record that's kind of how self-involved these people are <laughs> so they're actually people you know they're not like generic people you've seen at a bar or show or anything like that and I mean well they could be like that's okay. the thing is that the lyrics are about specific people but they're posers trying to be but like it's L-E-S idiots is that is that the name of the song yeah okay all right, because I'm like, are we going like les idiots, like French? Like, what are we do? What are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, it could be that too if you want it to be, you know. Very fancy, but uh, <laughs> Brian, I really dig that song. That's one of the songs I marked mm -hmm. down as like definitely a highlight. And Rob Flores like goes crazy on that song, man. He's got a really good keyboard part on that. It just goes to town. Yeah, I really like the breakdown in that song. I feel like my favorite part of that song is is definitely not me singing. It's <laughs> that bridge and and the instrumental breakdown and the and the stops that Steve does, the, the fills he does in those stops. Oh. Great. And it's so much fun to play live. It's like, I feel like it's our Tina Turner song. Well, and, and so I went back to the beginning is like, you know, we know you sing really well. That's not a question, but <laughs> the, the musicianship on the album really caught me by surprise, not because you guys aren't good, but like it's, so, I mean, everybody gets a chance to shine. You get these different breaks, time, you know, it's almost like proggy and like that song's on this little prog rock too, in terms of time signature changes, breakdowns. Like it's just, yeah. I was, I was impressed. I'd heard a couple of the songs that, that again, you released over time. But like when I heard, heard, heard the whole album together, I was like, man, this is like, this is like fiery stuff. This is a really good musician's album. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, I think that's always been really important uh to me you know a lot of times people will say oh you know it's really about you and the singing and you're the front woman and don't worry about the band and I'm like no the band is important this group has been together for a long time and the way we they play together is is just as much part of of the songs as my singing um, yeah it, you could tell you, i mean you guys are all sharp on point like and again you give everybody else a chance to shine which i think is really generous of you and you know be inclusive of the band that's just great like i was pleasantly surprised when i've run through this album a couple times i'm like oh, man thanks. that's just like some really cool cool spots on here thank you thanks for like really listening <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> that's that's what brian pays me to do on this podcast <laughs> I get paid very well. <laughs> so how how close are these friends that these songs are written about? You said you're concerned like they might figure it out or are they just kind of folks on your outer circles or anywhere in between or um one of them one of them is a friend. Um is that the mermaid but, song? Like we, we what? 
Mer was like, that the mermaid on like on mermaid oh, or somebody else oh no I, in the in the les idiots oh oh gotcha yeah gotcha. The, the the guy with the mustache is a friend but that could be so many different people that especially being from brooklyn or living in yeah, brooklyn exactly uh, and there's so many guys with bad mustaches that <laughs> it really could be anybody and then the others are just kind of um i would say people who are kind of in my music circle but they're so self-centered they wouldn't they they think they think so highly of themselves they would never think that this could be about them about mm -hmm. them and i well, doubt they'll it's like the carly simon song right it's like yeah um you're so vain you won't, right. won't even know the song's about you like that's yeah. right that's what we're getting at here yeah um but yeah so i don't know i don't care i hope Screw they do them. know you know what i hope <laughs> they do find out it's, I'm now coming, I'm, I'm doing a 180. I, I'm going to let them, I'm going to tell them. This is <laughs> Next time you play, if they're in the audience, like right before the song, I'm like, this song's about you. This song's about you. Yeah, I should say, <laughs> right. like, oh, you're here. Good. Second verse, third line. Pay, pay, pay close attention. <laughs> so Lizzie, where does the album title come from? Um. Oh, the album title. So... Dear On The Wall. That's the album, Dear On The Wall. Yeah, so... Um. Just like uh, very similar to how we came up with the title "Les Idiots," uh, Greg and I will often, when we're working on a song, we'll you know trade demos back and forth and add add to it um, uh, as we're finishing the song. And I'll always name it one thing, and then Greg will send the demo back to me uh, with a creative uh, name change. And usually, it's something like like he spells. The, the word phonetically or he uses some sort of uh I don't know he gets very clever and so like Elias Idiots was initially called East Village is Idiots and then when Greg sent that demo back to me um he renamed it Les Idiots and then I was like oh Les <laughs> yes, Idiots perfect so anyway Deer on the Wall um the title track of the album called Deer on the Wall is uh was an is about a deer head on the wall so it's oh. really here animal on the wall and when greg sent his version of the demo back to me he renamed it d-e-a-r on the wall to be funny um and then i kind of really dug it and when we were coming up with an album title i was like let's just call it here on the wall because right it is like a, a bunch of love letters or as we said, journal entries. And so maybe, maybe we're writing to this mythical woman creature. Um, Telling a story to the deer head yeah. on the wall. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, that basically I was in a, I was at work uh, at a barbecue restaurant that had a deer head on the wall and it was a very slow shift and um, I couldn't use my cell phone. So I decided to write some lyrics and I wrote to the deer head on the wall. <laughs> and that's, so that's where all that came from. <laughs> Very that's, that's a cool story because you know I always want to call Dear Wanda Wall because I'm Onda, but now Dear on like now it makes sense. Yeah. Now I'm always going to remember that, not mispronunciate it. <laughs> like yeah. I just mispronunciate the word. <laughs> God help me, <laughs> Brian. You're gonna have to take over. I, I just can't do it today. I'm just not just not here. 
I'd like to ask you about like the evolution of the band and like who's been there longer. And I think is Rob like one of the latest members or? Um, he is. So Greg and I have been together for actually in March, it will be 11 years. Wow. And then Brett Bass joined us, our bass player joined us, um, I think six months into us being a band. I think we had a couple bass players, but they went on, they had to go on tour. And then I think my dad played bass with us for a couple shows. And I was like, this isn't going to work. Um, <laughs> not because he wasn't good, just because, you know, he's just my dad. dad. <laughs> um, and, um, and then, yeah, I went to a show and Brett was there and Greg was like, that's our bass player. You got to go talk to him. So Brett's been with us almost the whole time. Rob joined about four or five years in. We didn't always have a keyboard player. And then I wanted to add one and uh, Brett suggested Rob. Um, and then Steve joined us only a couple years ago. So we had the same drummer for about eight years. And then um, we had some creative differences and scheduling uh, differences. Uh, and Steve subbed on a gig and he was so good that he kept it. <laughs> So yeah, and so then, yeah, we've been together almost 11 years, but um, it really was just kind of word of mouth and community here and, and trying out different players and this group just gels, you know, they, they just really work well together, listen to each other and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade them for the world. For sure. You know, I said earlier, it's really tight. I mean, you could tell you guys have been together for a long time and all the parts are there. Did you record your your bits separately or were you all in the studio together doing it live I mean, how were you recording these these songs these tracks for the album um we did it separately i mean we okay. did bass and drums went together right um, right and then and then we layered on top of that and i did like a, a rough vocal for the band to play along to and then i i did my vocals at the very end separately okay. from everyone else yeah so, so with, um, co with COVID and like restrictions in New York, did you record in New York? Yes, we did. We recorded at uh, Mission Sound in Williamsburg, uh, Brooklyn. All, all the songs you did? Yeah. Okay. Were there, um, I mean, what, what were the hurdles trying with COVID restrictions? Trying, I mean, how did this, how did that work? Well, you know, we recorded it um, in 2019. So we, we actually finished you it. You beat it. Okay. Like right, I mean, December 2019 um kind of went in there and did mixing in january i mean we were like right before it happened which i feel grateful for i don't know how how we would have done it um i mean we've done sessions during covid but it would have mm -hmm. been very different um yeah yeah so and then you know mastering process happened during covid so yeah i feel very lucky that that we were able to do that we did have a, a session during covid that was videotaped and everyone wore masks but i had them also wear um bandanas over the masks so they looked like outlaws and it would be it would have a, a shelf life beyond covid you know like who knows 10 years from now how all these videos with masks are gonna, are gonna i hope we look them. back and laugh and move on because this has been pretty yeah. dark times and i hope it doesn't last much longer yeah same <laughs> So when have you been able to, you know, when did you start to be able to get out, get out there and start playing again and, you know, along with other, you know, artists in the area and, and how often have we been able to do that? What's been going on with you guys live? 
Um, so actually the fact that uh, our guitarist Greg lives all the way out in Greenport was a blessing during the pandemic because um, their big season is summer. They have all of these outdoor venues, huge with like sprawling lawns, um, people to social distance. Um, so we actually played a lot. We just went out there. Brett, Steve, and I went out there, stayed with Greg, kind of, there was nothing going on in the city and we were losing our minds. So, so we went out there almost every weekend. Um, I spent like months out there at a time actually. Um, and then, so it wasn't for about a year until we played actually in um, New York again. Um, what was our first gig back? I'm trying to remember. Um, maybe it was Bowery Electric, I'm not sure, but it was a long time. And I really am grateful that Greg had access to these gigs because it kept us sharp, it kept us sane. <laughs> Um, you know, I had friends that didn't play a gig for two years, didn't play for mm -hmm. two years, didn't play at all. And I, I, I would have lost my mind. I don't know how, how those people, how my friends went through that. Um, and it's been kind of overwhelming now that everything in June, when everything opened up, it was just kind of this explosion of live music, um, which is great, but I, I, I feel very fortunate we were able to to keep it going even if we had to drive three hours away <laughs> to do it well you've been playing a lot too not just with lizzie and the makers but you've been involved in a lot of different artists uh, work recently like what, what are some of the things that you can tell uh, listeners that you've been doing and who you've been kind of working with um so i um i mean i've been singing in a lot of shows um like tribute shows yeah which are a lot of fun. yep so there's a show I've been doing regularly at the cutting room that songs from the musical hair, which is a lot of fun. Um, and we actually did a show, um, Dar Williams sang in it um, and Catherine Russell, who's a great jazz singer and one of uh, Steely Dan's original backup singers who still tours with him. I had a huge fangirl moment. Um, <laughs> I had to stand on stage next to her and I could barely sing. Um, so <laughs> I've been doing that. Um, I also have actually another group that I've been singing with. That's it's me and two girlfriends who also sing backup for me. Um, we're called dirt bag <laughs> and, uh, you know, we play instruments and sing vocal harmonies and we're going to put out an EP soon. So I've been working on that. Nice. Um, and yeah, just kind of singing with a lot of friends and their shows, um, did a big Halloween show at union pool, which was fun um yeah trying to sing as much as possible like as many you, people as possible and as well many yeah people, you're always busy i always see the postings from you and doing this doing that not just with uh, lizzie and the maker so what, what is our next lizzie and the maker show what, what are we looking for um our, ne our next show is december 19th at rockwood music hall stage two um i it's full band so it's all the guys from the record rob Steve, Brett, and Greg um, will be playing um, a lot of our new songs. We actually might even play some new, new songs that no one's Ooh, ever heard. Nice. Yeah. Um, because I can never stop moving forward. <laughs> Just like, new album. Okay, let's let's scrap these songs and start with the new ones that no one's ever heard. Um, but yeah, that's our next show. 8.30. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. And it's our first show back at Rockwood, which is one of my favorite venues, so. 
So besides doing all that singing, you know, helping to keep your your instrument in shape and all that, is there any like vocal exercises or warm ups or any like trainers or anything that you do on a regular basis just to keep things keep things in shape? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I do. I have a voice teacher. I meet with once a week. Well, I mean, we do it over the phone now, of course, but um, he's. I used to go to his studio. And yeah, I do warm-ups. I try to do it every day. It's hard to do it every day. Um, but I have a 30-minute uh, recording of one of my voice lessons and it's just scales when I do it every day because mm-hmm. your vocal cords are a muscle. It's just like right. being a marathon runner or an athlete. You know, you can't just not sing and then try to sing for three hours. It's just mm-hmm. not going to work. Um, right. So yeah, I do that as much as I can. Um I'm very neurotic about it. So I have to be awake. You want to warm up an hour before you sing. You need to be awake for three hours before you warm up Mm, so that your voice opens up. If you ever notice first thing, when you wake up in the morning, your voice is a little scratchy. So your voice needs time to, to open up. And um, yeah, I mean, I think as I've gotten older, I've always worried about my voice getting weaker, but I think it's gotten even stronger because I've been, pretty good about the warm-ups it's the only thing i'm really responsible about (laughs) (laughs) i've heard uh, i've heard other (laughs) singers mention where they were told like okay don't talk the day before the day of have you ever gotten that in that advice i mean talking is definitely bad for your voice um i try not to i mean i try not to especially right before the show um a lot of times if there is a place with like a backstage or a green room I really kind of hide there, not because I'm trying to be a diva or anything, just because I know if I'm talking to friends or family who are at the show, I'm just going to talk, talk, talk and lose my voice. So yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think not talking the day before is extreme, um, but you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, if you want to go there. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) But I, but also sleep is really important. Right. Hydration. Yeah. Water. That's the secret seriously mm-hmm. water again just like you said any other athlete i mean you got to be hydrated your muscles dehydrate and causes issues same thing with your vocal cords i'm sure yeah i always thought it was strange when adele would like brag about smoking cigarettes and drinking diet coke right before she sang and then i was like that's not really good for your voice and then you know <laughs> we had this surgery i'm like yeah see see <laughs> take care of your shit that's right. Got to quit both of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a question for you, though, going back around your album, how do you how did you end up with like Reeves and on the, you know, on the album? Like, that's just it amazes me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it amazes me, too. <laughs> Honestly, I still pinch myself um, and, and feel like I'm forever. How did you get to know him? The rest of my life, like, um. So he and Greg knew each other um, a while ago, like 30 years ago. Um, Interesting. When they both lived in LA, um, maybe not that long ago, maybe like 25 years ago. Um, so he, he's not that old. I'm aging them now. Um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they knew each other then, and Reeves was kind of a mentor to Greg. Um, and then Greg moved to New York, and they, they kind of kept in touch, but... Uh, you know, Reeves was in LA. And then I guess because they kept in touch, um, Reeves was in between tours with The Cure and living 
in upstate New York and uh, lose, you know, I guess he was just bored. And so he reached out to Greg and said, Hey, do you have any shows coming up? I want to play. And Greg <laughs> said, sure. And we actually happened to have a run of three shows coming up. Sorry. My friend is texting me a lot right now. And it's really annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had a run of three shows coming up and uh, Reeves was like, well, I'll play in all three of them. Wow. And so I was so nervous. I mean, I was so nervous. I was just like, Oh, this guy's going to play with us. And then be like, this is a waste of my time. Who does this girl think she is? what are these songs? They're terrible. Um, and the opposite happened. And he, he invited Mario to a gig um, and was like, you should check this band out. I think this might be the project we've been wanting to work on. And, and I guess, and we were, I don't know. It's just, I still can't believe it happened. I mean, it was like good timing. Like the fact that we had shows when Reeves was on a break, the fact that Reeves even texted Greg, the fact that Mario was in town. could come. To All meant to be. Yeah, and that they loved our music. I mean, that to me, you know, is the most fascinating part, <laughs> the most unbelievable part to me, because I've always just been very self-conscious about our songs. I mean, they're so personal. And uh, the fact that someone like of Reeves's caliber can like them. And then when we go into the studio and doesn't even want to change anything about them, uh, still blows my mind. But, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you just answered my question. I was going to ask you if there's the songs like came out any differently than you had anticipated working with those guys. Um, you know, it's really what was great about working with them is they really didn't change much. They just enhanced it. Okay. They just kind of took what it was and made it bigger, but without re, you know, changing its the character or the tempo or anything. I mean, I think there was maybe one song where Reeves suggested we cut a measure, <laughs> you know, or we add a measure here or there, but nothing was severely changed. And that was, that was really great. Cause we've, uh, I haven't, but Greg's worked with producers before that just kind of want to take your song and, and completely change it, like put it through this machine and cut it up and, and glue it back together. And, um, it's really frustrating, but when you work with someone that already likes what you're doing and just wants to make it even better, um, I don't know. It was it was cool. It, it felt good. It was a boost of confidence. For or sure. They're, or they're crazy, or they're nuts. Or they're cra- well, probably a little bit of everything. <laughs> but I think you kind of hit on where I'm going with this next one. I, you know, do you think that those guys in the Cure and doing all that to go in and just supplement a band, not be responsible for it, not be in charge of it, but like was a nice breath, no, breath of fresh air for them knowing they're going to go in and just, you know, be a supplemental piece of it, that mindset. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, again, going back to the band, I mean, they're so good and they've been together for so long. Like, I think, I think we, I, I mean, I guess we made their jobs kind of easy too. <laughs> well, they didn't feel the pressure like, hey, this yeah. isn't going to be known for us. It's for them. And we're going to be right. guests. Like, so, you know, we yeah. don't need to go in and do a bunch of shit or make it sound more like what we normally do. Right. True. True. Yeah. And, and I think that was very important to Reeves, especially. Um, and especially with Greg, like, you know, he just was like, really wanted Greg to shine and, and be himself and not change much, just kind of push him as far as, as, uh, he could to to get to maybe you know a place a step further than where we've gone before um, yeah it's being outside of the box but but in general yeah just kind of there to to help us be 
who we already are. Well, and I, it's also what you said is I think there's a lot of validation knowing if it was crappy, I'm sure they would have stepped in and like really guided you a little bit more, you know, guided you if they need to, but it, the material was really good and they were happy to come in and just do their part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And going back to like the cure, you know, your music does not sound like the cure, but I think where they can appreciate that is truthful, truthfulness to the lyrics. Like it's emotional, sentimental for sure. And like you listen to the cure stuff, it is very much like that. It's not like, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's not just generic crap. It's personal, emotional, there's ties to it. And again, the cure writes lyrics very much like, like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I never saw, I've never seen any similarities either between us and The Cure, but after working with Reeves, I've been listening to them more. And, and like you said, there's just certain the lyrics that are similar. Um, I think moods that are similar, not necessarily the, the music or the style. Right. So besides, uh, you know, you kind of listen to The Cure and, and noticing maybe little tiny similarities, uh, who else are influence you, got, influence you in the band? Uh, is there certain artists that are like more upfront in your mind, like in any specific genre? Like who, who would you say your, your main influences are and more subtle ones as well? Um, I mean... Oof. I mean, we're definitely, Greg and I are both influenced by Pink Floyd, for sure, um, and David Gilmore, and by, you know, Kate Bush by way of David Gilmore. That's kind of how I started listening to her. Um, PJ Harvey, um, Sharon Jones, huge influence. I mean, she definitely influenced Mermaid um, and the groove of that song, Um um I don't know I mean and then all the way back to like you know young Tina Turner um Aretha I mean we're kind of all over the place but I think you can hear it Leonard Skinner I mean I would say like Lover by there, Proxy is yeah. definitely a Leonard Skinner there are some southern rock riffs yeah for yeah. sure in this album yeah. and it's again when I talk about the musicianship on here it's I mean there's just it's it's so interesting because there are so many cool bits and pieces to that whether it's the keys or the bass drum guitar like i picked up southern rock and blues style riff like it's it's just a joy to listen to because of that to be honest with you yeah i mean that's always been one of our our heaviest influences um especially on our earlier uh eps and albums but i think you know i like on this album that we're able to really lean into that on some songs but also really explore our more maybe Pink Floyd ambient side too on some songs, which is, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think I like that we get to get uh, spooky on this album a little bit. <laughs> maybe that's a cure, a cure influence. Yeah. <laughs> How about amongst just, your, your peer group, uh, anyone that, you know, has been around the same amount of time as you, that, that influences you at all? Do you think even if it's subtle or? Um, yes. I want to make sure I say <laughs> the right thing. I mean, all, you know, I feel like all of the, the women that I sing with now and are on bills with and, and a lot of bands, I mean, I think we all influence each other. I mean, you know, my friend, Rembert Block, uh, who I sing with a lot, has a band um, called Rembert and the Basic Goodness. And we're very different stylistically. She's 
plays accordion and um but and and has more of a cabaret uh side to her but her lyrics are so good and like i'm just such a big fan of hers and a lot of her songs um i've been playing a lot with kelly kelly swindle and you know i just feel like everyone i i listen to or i play with you know you're i'm influenced by in one way or another um there's also uh, a woman named Barbara Endes, who now goes by, she goes by oh, Tosa Kicks now, I think, or Tova Kicks. Um, she's incredible. I mean, she blows my mind every time. I'm nervous talking to her, but she's, she's I guess, a contemporary. But uh, she's in a band, too, called Girls on Grass. Um, she's just amazing, vocally. Girls on Grass? Yeah. What kind of grass are they on? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think it's meant to be ambiguous, but I think it's bluegrass. Okay. Oh, that's but, uh, you never know. You know, it's open to interpretation. I yep. guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. They're they're really great. Um, I don't know. I could say more. I could go <laughs> on first. Let's not do that. <laughs> I do want to jump back in the album a little bit uh, on a couple of these songs. So I'm really digging. I'm going to tell you what songs I really enjoy the most. Can you tell me a couple of your favorites afterwards, like Mermaid, uh, L.E.S. Idiots. Now I know it's pronounced right. I think that's great. <laughs> and then Mojo Hand. Like those are three really standout mm-hmm. tracks, in my opinion. Like what are some of your like, what do you think are kind of the top tracks, both from like the songwriting standpoint and then like performance wise for you? Um, I mean, performing, I feel like lover by proxies oh yeah sorry that's on perform. yes yeah i that's think a... i i really like singing that one live i really like opening a show with that song it just that's got a good rock rocks that's a good rock song just a yeah, solid just... rock song yeah and it like sets the energy right for the for the rest of the show and and um it's just a fun song to, to sing is, that, and I is that your opener uh i mean that's the opener of the album I, th- I feel like we open with that song a lot. Okay. We either open with that one or Mermaid, sometimes okay. Mermaid, depending on what, whether or not we want to ease into something, um, ease into the the night <laughs> or just yeah. come out. Are you going to be mellow? You're going to be punching <laughs> people in the face, right? That's Exactly. Um, and I love, I have this personal obsession and connection with Magic River. And I don't know why, but I love that. Song. that's my favorite song it's no one okay. else's favorite song like no one in the band neither Reeves nor Mario no one who ever listens to the album but for me singing that song um is great uh, the lyrics in that song mean a lot to me like uh I don't know I, and I I think it's because I feel like on that song we went to a different place I feel like that song as far as the chord progression and and like the guitar in the chorus um, and the effects we used, it just felt like that's our big step towards the next, our next thing we're going to do and our next album. So I don't know why that song, it just symbolizes something to me that I can't, I can't describe. I'm going to have to really, really scrutinize listening to that song when I got off here. And I can't believe I forgot Lover by Proxy. I, I was using my phone and not my notes and like, you probably can't see it, but it's Lover, it's, the one that's track was playing up there and I <laughs> missed it from my list, but those, that's I mean, a- it's just a good rock song. I dig that song. Good riffs. Yeah. Um, what's a mojo hand. Um, so. And why are you going to put it in a drawer in the kitchen? Um, so a mojo hand is actually, um, 
a bag of herbs or spices, mm-hmm. um, kind of in a, I think it's like a Southern tradition or like a voodoo mm-hmm. tradition. Okay. Um, so it's not like somebody's actual hand, they cut off your boyfriend's hand and you're sick no. in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, you give it to someone for good luck or to protect them, I guess, from harm. And when Greg moved from LA to New York, um, the girl he was dating at the time gave him a mojo hand, one of these bags of herbs to protect him on his, on his drive or his, his journey across country. Um, and she, right before we uh, wrote this song, she had passed away, um, Hmm. unexpectedly and uh greg was in his kitchen and it literally like the mojo hand that he kept on the shelf like where his pots and pans are just kind of leapt off the shelf and hit him in the head well like, it kind of was weird and it was like oh you know and that's she was like that's his ex being like here i am or something like that so it's actually a dead girlfriend's mojo hand it's greg's dead girlfriend's mojo hand that the song is about um that one we wrote together i mean we we sat down and just kind of that one came out in like 10 minutes i don't know um greg wrote a lot of the lyrics for that oh did he okay because i wasn't sure if it was from your perspective but i guess it's from his and i didn't know what a mojo hand was i guess i could have googled that but i'm like like you cut somebody's hand off and it's in your kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> What's well, that all about? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I do think we, we, the lyrics could lead you to believe that and that's okay. And maybe that's intentional. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that is Am- ambiguous, song. like girls on grass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, another good song, the whole album is good, Lizzie, though. Like I really do. <laughs> when I say they're standout tracks, not because any of them are Passovers or throwaway. They're not, they're all good, but those are really rocking tracks and of course knowing the backstory for mermaid from talking to you and like i just just really cool when you have a conversation about these songs and actually get to hear them their finished version i just it's you know it's it's cool i dig it thanks i'm glad you dig it, it hey jason did we do a lightning round last time we did and we so did. What, what, what are we gonna do different here oh you know that's a, that's a that's a good question. I could probably come up with a couple a couple lightning round questions for you if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. What is a new song or album that's really into right now? Oh, God, lightning. I'm supposed to answer this quickly. Um, that's right. First thing that came to your mind. You know what? You know what song I'm obsessed with? I'm obsessed with Doja Cat. I don't know why. Really? So not. I don't know why, but um there's one song of hers i i I don't know what it's called but it's actually the chord progression that gets me um it's not actually her but i can't get out of my head and i'm obsessed with it and i listen to it on repeat like a teenager really yeah i get a lot of the not in front of everybody (laughs) well now everybody's gonna know (laughs) shit (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've had this conversation with so many artists like, hey, what's a guilty pleasure? And everybody's like, you know, really, if I like something, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's good. And music is music. And so you shouldn't be ashamed of anything. Music is music. Arts, arts is subjective. <laughs> and like people should never be apologetic unless you listen to like Creed and you can apologize. Then, yeah, then you should. Or, or Shania Twain. Ooh. <laughs> don't, hey, that don't impress me much, Brian. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, you know, I she has more. her value. Yeah. 
she didn't marry Mutt Lang. If she didn't marry Mutt Lang, she would have never got to where she got or produced. Like maybe he produced her first thing got married, but that guy has made some significant albums in his day. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with Def Leppard. We'll have to do a separate episode where we talk about Shania Twain. <laughs> I, I could talk about Shania Twain. I just, she's, you know, she's all right to look at. <laughs> how, how else is she supposed to feel but the, but like a woman, you know? Right. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's okay for you to feel like somebody else. It's just fine. You know, you might be a woman trapped in a woman's body, a man trapped in a a man's body, or I don't know. It's just, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Now I regret the light you're around. So that's Doja Cat right now is your is your is your pick of kind of something that's really gotten your mind right now? um okay. yeah i've also been listening to saint vincent's new album a lot nice when did that come yeah. out was did that come out in the spring when did that come out i think so i mean i saw her I in the fall so i, I think it was spring I think okay it was spring where, she, where did she play in the fall uh radio city music hall really cool yeah, it was good. It was great. What were the what were the COVID protocols that there? Did you have to have a test or vaccination um, mask? No, you, had, you had to be vaccinated. Had to be vaccinated. Yeah, I like. I mean, I'm glad venues are doing that just because they've got to protect their employees, right? Like the artists are one thing, but you've got these employees that work. And you worked at the Capitol Theater too, so you know it's like yeah. these people are there day in and day out working a hard job, and like. You get, at least at a minimum have to do stuff to protect your employees because if you, those guys get sick you can't run a show anyway yeah exactly i mean they're putting themselves at risk for your entertainment and enjoyment so but the good I thing think- is radio city music hall is running there's a lot of stuff back up and going i saw things at the brooklyn bowl have they've been having shows and um capital theater has been having shows i know that's not in new york city that's just down the road from you guys yeah. but you know. i went to see elvis costello there Ooh, how was that great yeah it's so good yeah He's how long did he play um it's like over an hour i don't know like an hour and a half uh i think there were there are two sets there was an intermission so maybe even longer than that i was having he, a lot of fun I oh, I bet. he's like a sneaky artist where He's got a lot of hits that if you're a casual fan, you're like, wow, like I didn't realize I knew so many Elvis Costello songs. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the first time I ever saw him. Um, he was on a double bill with the police at Jones Beach. That was a fabulous show. Oh, that's a cool venue. And um, I liked him, but I didn't really know his catalog. And then I saw him. Uh, on that bill and I was like oh wow I, I know a lot of these songs um I'm an Elvis Costello fan and I didn't Never. even know it yeah. <laughs> so I try to see him every time I can every time he's in the area he's just great his shows are, are great well, he's like a 40 he's like got a 40 year career at this point like, yeah you know, four decades it's crazy yeah he's and then he's cool. he married Diana Krall is yes. that right yeah, yeah who just did stuff with uh Robert Plant again another album um no wait Allison, a minute Allison Krauss sorry that would be cool. yeah I would, I would buy a Diana Krall Robert Plant album for sure Diana Krauss <laughs> Krall whatever I can't they got K's in their name <laughs> but Elvis Costello is married to Krall or Krauss Krall Krall yes 
I have not listened to that album yet. I'm a big um, Plant fan. I love their first album. I have to still check with this one out. I was telling Brian before you got on, we were talking, and there is so much good music that's come out right now. It is hard to listen to everything, and that is a great problem mm-hmm. to have, particularly where we were a year ago. But like, there's just there's been a ton of just good albums the last couple months that come out. Like, it's just to find the time to listen is crazy. I, I know there's not enough time. <laughs> there's not enough time you know this is part of what we do is listen to the music to have time to do it but like you know la guns who i'm a big fan they came up with a cool album like they just came out a couple of weeks ago and like i was impressed it's it's very modern yet with some of the classic yeah. stuff and there's a couple songs that sound like mid-90s oasis like good oasis i'm like holy shit Ooh, like yeah you I should you should check it out yeah, yeah. and and right. uh our friends at georgia thunderbolts just came out with an album that's really kick-ass um wearing a candle box shirt they came out with an album in august it's really good they did yeah yeah it's called wolves wolves check it out there's like if you like candle box it is i mean right there in that it's there's some good stuff there's a a song that sounds like a southern rock song called lost angeline and there's like just i don't know it's candle box so you can't go wrong if you like those guys lizzie might like their opening band jason oh the dead deads are you familiar with the dead deads no out of nashville they're a three-piece all female like punk alternative rock metal band cool and their new album is really good which, which also came out in august tell your girls it's all right you should absolutely check that album out you know i think i saw i think i saw you post about them and oh yeah we post about them a couple familiar. times yeah okay i'm definitely gonna check them out i was like oh these girls look cool Yes. Okay. You know, if you like yes. songs about sea beasts and um, uh, dual murders of of girlfriend boyfriends and stuff like that, <laughs> they do a a ballad with Corey Taylor from um, Slipknot. Oh, cool! Awesome! Oh, definitely. Really check- good. You probably yeah, you probably dig it. And I saw them open up for Candlebox in Indiana. It was just a good show all around. But check them out. Um, we got cool. off we got off of your what you're listening to to what we're listening to. Oh, well, I want to listen to what you're listening to. So this is perfect. Check out Candlebox. Check out The Dead Deads for yeah. sure. Um, those are some really outstanding stuff. There's a band out of Indiana that we had. It's a two-piece rock blues band called um, uh, The Cold Stairs. Stairs as in I'm looking at you, S-T-A-R-E-S. Okay. Like, it sounds like heavy blues mixed with a little Rage Against the Machine almost. Oh, cool. And I am obsessed. And we had Chris, the singer, guitar player on a couple months ago and like, I got enough about the band and like, I've just been obsessed with their music ever since. So the cold stairs. Cool. For me, All right. for me it's uh, out of Lex- Lexington, Kentucky, uh, <coughs> Mojo Thunder. They're really good. It's uh, they kind of cover that whole gamut of, you know, the interrelation of blues and, and rock and even a little psychedelic and even some pop is kind of in there. They're really, really good. Oh, cool. And okay, there's so a I- lot of good stuff. Oh when does Jane Lee Hooker's record come out? That hasn't come out yet, right? 2022. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think they released a single, but not a okay. record. Not yeah, a record. Singles, two singles. I saw Tracy post something recently where they said 22, early 22. So yeah. th- that's what we need. We need a Jane Lee Hooker and Lizzie and the Makers together on tour. I would love that. We played a show together once at Santos Party House. It was great. I wish we did more. I love them. That, I mean, you guys would compliment each other extremely well. Yeah. Well, and then you could 
go up and sing with them too a song or two and you guys could kill it happen dana <laughs> they're big skinner fans we know you're a skinner fan i'm sure you guys yeah. could figure out something to do you know call me the breeze or something together i think this is a great idea actually i'm See? actually I'm actually gonna message Dana. You're so you're so excited about that. You just yawned. I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> see, nobody could see that, but I I can tell people are listening. I'll I'll have to put a post up when I, I from time to time I put a post up about um, me being uh, when I'm a pretend promoter <laughs> of what would be good tours. Yeah. <laughs> P- pretend promoter without the capital to do so. <laughs> Uh, what's going on in New York City right now? Like, are you guys relatively back to normal with COVID or what's what's happening here? Um, yes. I mean, you know, you have to be vaccinated really to go, go in anywhere. Um, I mean, you know, grocery stores, you still have to wear masks. Sure. Um, anywhere Nothing wrong inside. with that. Yeah. Um, public transportation, masks are required. Um, it's not a lot of social distancing happening. Well, it's you got a bunch of people normal. in a small area, yeah. Yeah, you know, subways are crowded, buses are crowded, traffic's bad, you know, back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> people being rude to each other. Yeah, yeah, the usual. Um, got- <laughs> <laughs> well, the, no, the best- <laughs> it seems like things are, are, I mean, it feels almost too normal. It's almost like there are times where I, I catch myself and I'm like, get a little this- nervous, yeah. Are you a little too comfortable right now? This is... I don't know about this but yeah the town i live in in ohio it's it's close to columbus but rural enough where we i think people only believe the pandemic happened for maybe a month or two out of this whole yeah. thing and like i find my wife and i and kids are usually the only few people wearing masks when we go into like a depot or lowe's or kroger or something you know it's like hmm, yeah pandemic's over i guess yeah i know I mean, it is interesting when you go into like, even, you know, very close to just outside of New York City and, and you, you depend on where you want. people just do whatever they want. Don't wear yeah. a mask. It's like, it never happened. I love wearing a mask because I'm way better looking when I wear a mask. <laughs> oh, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> cuts off, cuts off <laughs> at least half the face and people don't recognize me as easily. So I don't, you know. I talk for a living at work and on this podcast. I don't want to talk. Yeah. I'm like outside of here. It drives my I wife crazy. Of, I'm not social. Now that it's gotten cold, I kind of am really digging the mask. I'm like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have the right, like a comfortable yeah, one, like, like a, a good one, one, it's like really, I don't know if I'll ever stop. Well, Monday night, it was funny. We were uptown, uh, the tree lighting ceremony, all the stuff here in my hometown. And like, you know, we're outside, so nobody's wearing a mask, but like it got cold and I had a cloth mask in my coat and I'm like, I put it on just for the warmth and to keep my nose. I'm like, you know what, mm-hmm. this, this works both from getting mm-hmm. people sick and keep my face. Warm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. You know, I'm learning. I'm, there's, there's been positives to all this stuff. So people, I don't know why no one's made like a winter mask, you know, like right. A, for like a scarf mask like, or something. Yeah. Like you could really, I mean, I bet, I bet that's out there now that, now that I say it out loud, I bet someone's done it and we're too late. But if they not, had to but get, you should get, on it. get to the Google as soon as this podcast is over and see, because <laughs> you might be able to, you know, the second career and trademark something, copyright something. I'll, I'll have to go back to the bandana after you're talking about that earlier, Lizzie, because I was using those at the beginning of the pandemic. 
Well, you know, they're and not. I used to use them in the winter before too. So yeah, they're not as they're not as good at protecting you on their own mm-hmm. because right. they're open at the bottom. But over another mask, it like it looks kind of cool. I don't know. You look like you're going to rob a bank or something. Well, and nobody could get masks early on while this happened. Remember, they're like, all of a sudden, wear a mask and right. nobody could find one yet. We're making That's them out true. of T-shirts. My wife's sewing them. Like, we're yeah. just doing whatever we can. Yeah. Yeah, I know. She, they, were, they were coveted. The- she had a sewing machine down in our basement for three years unused, and the pandemic hit. She brings it out and starts making masks. <laughs> wow. That's cool, though. It's probably a good That's time different. to be a bank robber. How are they going to do the description? Salem yeah. was wearing a mask. Everybody was wearing a mask. <laughs> I know. I wonder if bank robberies went up. <laughs> I think so, because, I mean, you would think it would be in the papers or you'd hear like, hey, you know, mask bandit. But like, I don't Yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. So it's, it must be hard to ride a, rob a bank with social distancing six feet required between everybody. <laughs> yeah. You just be like, throw. It's hard to get to the teller. <laughs> throw the money at me. Yeah. <laughs> That is kind of funny though. I you didn't really hear like I always thought about stuff like you could go in a store and whatever and like yeah, your face is covered, but I didn't hear necessarily crime going up or anything. Yeah. At least in that mm-hmm. regard, it is funny. I did meet some people during the pandemic, or you know, not real friends. You know, just met people with, and I had only seen them with the mask on. And then when people got vaccinated and revealed the bottom half of their faces, I was shocked by a lot of them. I was more shocked by how bad my breath is. Yeah, I was like, that's not what I thought you looked like under there. And in some (laughs) cases it was good and others it it wasn't so much. Well, I realized like if you drink a full cup of coffee and then put a mask on, like, oh, God. How how many people at work have I ever talked to after drinking coffee? I apologize to literally everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I I know now to have gum or mints if, you know, talking to people in person again. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, on a better note, um, yeah. any new book or movie that you've been obsessed with since we've last spoken to you here six months ago or so? Um, I've been I've been watching a lot of shows more than movies. Um, I have been watching. This is embarrassing, but um, I've been watching a lot of The Bachelorette. I've been catching up. My wife watches it too. I get sucked into it. I never watched it until like a year ago. And I always was like, it was The Bachelorette. And I started, and I don't know. But I also started watching this series that just came out, Yellow Jackets, that has um, Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci. It's about Hmm. a girls' soccer team whose plane goes down in the middle of nowhere. And they aren't found for 19 months. It's kind of, and what happens? It's like there's a lot of uh, present and past flashbacks and flashbacks. So it's forward. like a little bit like Lost, but mixed with Alive, where the soccer team in, in the Andes and they start yeah. the dead bodies. Yeah, or it's kind of like I feel it's a lot like um, like a feet, uh, Lord of the Flies, but all girls instead of all boys. Is that a true story? No. No. Okay. I don't think so. No. Is there cannibalism in this one? We've yet to find out. Okay. So we're only three episodes in. Um, Where can we crazy. find Yellow Jackets? Where is this? On, um, Showtime. Showtime. Okay. It's All right. Really good. Okay. Um, we'll have to keep my yeah. eyes out for that one. I don't, you know, we've got 50 million different streaming things. I'm sure 
We've got access <laughs> to it somewhere. I mean, and then, you know, other than I'm an old lady, I watch like 2020 in 60 minutes. That's what Six, I've been obsessed 60 minutes is great. Day, all Dateline does all like the, the crazy murder mystery, like, like yeah. scary shit. It's like the, almost like the unsolved mysteries of today. Yeah. 60 minutes is awesome. It is some of the best long form journalism that's out there still to this date there's always fascinating stuff on 60 minutes i i wish i had like hipper responses for you like oh i'm reading this new graphic novel and it's great but i know i appreciate that brian how about you i mean it's It's dateline in the bachelor for me (laughs) i I mean bachelor is kind of Well, it's it's good to know that somebody who does like nice high art musical like this stuff also likes trash, not just like classy stuff. I know I should have lied. I'm reading a Don DeLillo novel right now. And <laughs> on a we, were, <laughs> we talked to Kevin Martin, uh, you know, the lead singer of Candlebox last spring. And I kind of said, hey, you know, what, give us something that you're streaming or whatever. And he said, oh, it's this detective series but it's in german i'm like like he's like a cerebral he's you know he's from the grunge 90s alt rock scene in seattle i'm like he's he's talking about these books and he's i'm like holy crap man like you're like super cerebral like i never expected yeah. to hear that comment and i'm just i'm just like minimum effort it, it's okay <laughs> no, to use not. it's okay to use tv to shut your brain down too though you know well, like, that's for sure like, i call it lobotomy tv yeah, I mean, I think after after these past few years, that's kind of how I need. Yeah, lobotomy TV. I like that. It's 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 a good way to decompress and kind of not focus on anything. Yeah, not think and like yeah, mm-hmm. just See, let your brain go. I'll confess. I'll confess to finding Bigfoot, and I joked to my wife. I said, you know, I'd rather watch these guys traipsing around in the woods looking for something that doesn't exist than than to watch the, the Bachelorette. But I do I mean, watch some of that with her. <laughs> I mean, and I watch, but I, as I watch it, I watch it and I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this. There has to be something better. This can't be the last show I haven't seen. And that's why I'm watching You're it. one of 50 million people in the US I know. watching that. So don't, don't feel bad. I never thought it would be me though. But... My wife watches Grey's Anatomy and she loves that show. And like this one, I just can't take it. It's all depressing, doom and gloom constantly. And I'm like, I just... Like I can't, I can't watch this. It just makes me I sad. I just stopped in that show because, I mean, I was like determined. I was like, "You're gonna go, you go thirty seasons. I'm with you. I'm going to watch every single episode." And then I just, they lost me. Uh, that episode where Meredith gets COVID and is like unconscious. Coma. Yeah. And sees Derek visits Derek. Sees all the dead people that died. Like everybody on the show has died. Yeah, and I'm like, oh no, you've lost me now. I'm done. I'm cutting the cord. I well, can't. I can't go on. Listen, we're living through COVID. My perspective is I don't want to watch things that are COVID. Like I want to not. I, you know, I don't want to be in that world because we're living yeah. in every day. Show me a movie, show whatever where we're not focused on the COVID stuff. Because part of my job is like I get to do like really like COVID responses stuff, and like I just don't. I want my outside stuff to not be fo- my entertainment to not be focused on COVID. Yeah, I, I did go through a period where I, was, where I was obsessed with Canadian television, especially like young adult Canadian television, anything YA, I was like super into if there were werewolves involved or vampires, bonus. Um, <laughs> that was kind of at the height of COVID. That was how I was like, let me let me travel into this imaginary land 
that's Canadian and not <laughs> imaginary in, Canadian lands. <laughs> not being COVID in New in New York City during COVID. That's that's where I went. It was great. Oh, for sure. Well, Shits Shits Creek is Canadian. Did you watch that? Which one? Uh, Shits Creek. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that I was a Canadian Shit's show. Creek. That was. We watched all of that through COVID, all the seasons. We, we we weren't watching it, and then we watched it all. Yeah, and that was so that was pretty good. I love Catherine O'Hara. I want to be her in my next life. What a career she's had, too. You know, yeah. I mean, she's had from SCTV all the way up to Schitt's Creek and all the movies in between, the Home Alones, Beetlejuices, everything else. Yeah, she's amazing. I heard a story about Macaulay Culkin the other day. Now we're going way off the way at rails, Brian. Oh. Bear with us. <laughs> um, Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom every time he sees her. He's called her that ever since Home Alone. Oh, that's sweet. Right? That's what I thought. It was kind of, you know, he's like probably close to 40 now. Yeah, maybe it's weird. But, you know, I mean, he's a showbiz kid. He probably, probably the closest thing he did have to a mom, I guess. That is really cute. But yeah, there you go. Trivia fact for you, Home Alone fanatics out there. Macaulay Culkin still calls Catherine O'Hara. What other questions we got for Lizzie, Jason? Um, so I think that's it for the lightning round because we really just went crazy and I came up with shit on the spot. But uh, December 19th is your next show. What do we have lined up <laughs> after that? What are we looking at next year? You guys going to do some East Coast tour? And I mean, what are you thinking? Um, we're hoping so in the spring. Um, <clears throat> um, we're planning on going back South by Southwest. Right on. Um, oh, really? March. You're going to have it? Planning to have it? Okay. As of now, yes. Um, have you done South by Southwest before? Yeah, we've done it. I think last year would have been our third year, or 2020 would have been our third year doing it. So this will be our third, our third trip. Now, I, now that you said that, I think you told us about that the last time you were on the podcast. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so usually if we go down there, we'll probably play some shows in Texas, uh, other parts of Texas. Um, <clears throat> uh, we're planning to go to LA at some point and then go up and down the west coast um and yeah definitely the east coast we do have a show in march in asbury park new jersey um you might plan some other east coast shows around that um but definitely planning on hitting the road we're just going to wait um until warmer weather just feel like it's safer better yeah i mean the weather sucks it's cold and gross and yeah give, give a couple months to shake out with wherever the pandemic's going to go, hopefully go away or go away to manageable, more manageable levels. So that's good. Yeah. But until then we'll, we'll just, you know, bounce around, play some local shows and, um, but yeah, can't wait to hit the road. It's going to be great. Um, anything else with some of the other, other artists that you're performing with in the works here? Um, I am singing actually on Saturday, December 11th. I'm singing, uh, with the losers lounge at Joe's pub. Um, they're doing songs, uh, George Harrison. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited to do that. That's December 11th. Um, And I'm the uh, musicians that did songs from the musical Hair. uh, We're all doing that again, the cutting room on January 30th. Um, Hey, so when you do that, do people come like dressed up like people from Hair or like, or do you guys dress up like that? Um, some of us do. Some some of us get very, um, you know, period appropriate <laughs> as far as costumes. Some just kind of wear, you know, what they would wear for a show. Nobody's dressed up yet, but we've we've done this show twice, and it's just 
it sells out. People get really into it. They sing along and stand up and dance. And so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people started doing that down the road. It's a we really- You see it like Rocky Horror where people dress in the characters and right. show up and participate. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, hopefully it gets there. You know, and then everybody see. dies at the end. Yeah. Well, not, not, maybe we can avoid that. <laughs> That's have- a very depressing musical. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's very dark. <laughs> Yes. And I remember the movie a couple of years ago. Um, I was probably a long time, but like had a Rosario Dawson in it. And right. Um, yeah, I just I that's when I really I watched it because I think it's the 70s, isn't it? 70s when that came out. Yeah. Like early 70s, mid 70s. Or something. So. Yeah. yeah. Just very depressing. It's like, oh, well, now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> so but the songs are fun to sing. The songs are fun to sing. Yes. <laughs> uh Lizzie and the Makers. So we so go to your website, Lizzie and the Makers. Is it .com? I had it pulled up and it's not pulled up and I can't see without my glasses on. Yes, it's uh, Lizzie and the Makers.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and Spotify. And I'm actually uh, the full our full album, uh, Dear on the Wall, is going to be available on Bandcamp this Friday as oh, well, um, which is, I guess, today right when this uh, we is- you are going to be the uh, uh, the 10th brian correct the 10th. okay so uh at, when the show airs it will be on Bandcamp, and okay. uh which is great because um most of the most of the profit goes to the musicians uh on yeah Bandcamp. Yep. if you, you want to buy the album go there um yeah is it or, digital you know, download or physical both what do we have um digital download for now and then okay. We're working on vinyl, so. Oh, I would love, yeah, I'm totally going to buy the vinyl copy. One, I, I do like the artwork on the cover. I think it's 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 cool. It looks great Yeah. on there. Um, for sure. It's a great album. I, now that I know it's not Deer on the Wall, it's Deer on the Wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's whatever you want it to be. And it's whatever. nine tracks. It's really good. It's on all your major streaming platforms buy a copy help the band out we want to get them out to the west coast east coast and and keep doing what you're doing but i dig the album i appreciate you coming on and talking with us again it's always always fun having you on thank you so much for having me um i look forward to our upcoming shania twain episode <laughs> our shania Ta- shania twain roundtable brian we'll have yeah. to gra- <laughs> grab a couple of our returning <laughs> returning guests and get that going yeah looking forward to it i hope you can handle the sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> well lizzie thank you so much that's lizzie edwards from lizzie and the makers the new record is dear on the wall uh Don't always a pleasure to hi, talk to you way. and uh if you could hang out with us for just a couple more minutes when we get done rolling that'd be great uh, it'd be my pleasure Thanks to Lizzie Edwards for joining us, and I apologize for uh, causing us to talk about Shania Twain way too long that we should have. Hey, I caused <laughs> us to talk about The Bachelorette, and that was not intended, but it got into that, and you're also a fan, so. Oh, yeah. Or your wife's a fan. You just yeah. watch it with her, just spend time with her. Wow. Yeah, that, but you know what? That's <laughs> cool about these conversations. Like, we're like, how did we get here? What are we, what are we talking about? I can't remember. What's, like, what's the band that you mentioned right before – so we're going to we can talk about any, any other band. And then you said, as long as it's not. And then I said, not Shania Twain either. <laughs> did I say Creed? Yeah, you did. There you go. Creed. I said Creed. I you know. <laughs> so I will admit about Creed. I did actually like the first album. I think it was my own prison when they first came out. It was like kind of heavy. But once that second album came around with higher and all that, and they got all 
or not they, I say Scott Stapp got all crazy. <laughs> then I sort of, I sort of tapped out, but hey, I did yeah, the you song know, weathered. I like that song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first album was more metal, but anyway, Lizzie, <laughs> yeah. go buy Lizzie and the Makers album, Deer on the Wall or Deer on the Wall, as you've heard on the podcast, Deer yeah. on the Wall. It's <laughs> journal entries to a deer head on a you wall. You got to hear all the reasons why that title was picked and how these song titles are picked. And, and know uh, what Mojo Hand is, Brian. I didn't know what Mojo Hand was. Now I know it's a bag of spices. Yeah. With somebody and you keep it in your kitchen. You know, and I had seen, I've got a DVD of, uh, uh, God, I can't remember what the name of it is, uh, but it, it's like a uh, blues documentary and it's from several years ago, but uh, uh, um, from the Arrhythmics, Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics, he goes down there and he's talking to R.L. Burnside and they're talking about a mojo hand and, and then the guy who produced the documentary, they're walking around wherever and uh, they go to some little shop and it shows you what a mojo hand is and i had forgotten about i'd forgotten about that and i you know i've always heard mojo hand but uh very cool to hear about what that actually is you're way um, more cultured than i am because i had no <coughs> idea but i had heard heard the term before and then i'm like i gotta ask what's a mojo hand i like that we uh suggested the jane lee hooker and lizzie and the makers tour oh that would be so good that would be so good and it sounds you know? like something uh she she's pretty uh into herself yeah for sure like we can get those guys playing it would be good to see jane lee hooker with like blackberry smoke too like you know but i would love to see this lizzie and the makers and jane lee hooker i would definitely travel out to see that if they could get that show going i'm starting to believe that some of these wishes will come to fruition because when i was talking to uh bryson from uh mojo thunder i had posted before like i want a tour with with mojo thunder and with uh blacktop ridge opening <laughs> and bryson's like I'm going to check into that. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> you're a really good fantasy matchmaker of promotions. And yes. I, I like what you're coming up with. Yes, and, I am. You know, Promoter with no capital. <laughs> we got to fit. Hey, listeners, if you've got connections, Brian is impeccable in his taste of tour mates. Please reach out. Let's get him help and make some of these tours come come to life. Yeah, we got to start with the smaller ones and work our way up. One day, Brian, we are going to have that All Things Blues and Southern Rock Music Festival. And until the day that we have that festival, always remember, uh, Southern Rock is rabbit, blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.